Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Enjoy the Thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you can, just give it up for our worship team. I know one thing's for sure is Jesus is my rescue story. And I pray that he's your rescue story also. Um, a quick announcement, so I just need everybody to, to listen to. Uh, the Thanksgiving, everybody who worked on it, they said if you haven't got your ham yet to deliver the basket, you can get it right after service. And you can leave your basket in your car and they will just give you your ham. And uh, then we can uh, meet up after service and then take it down to the Cadillac. If you didn't know, today is the day that our Thanksgiving reach is going down at the Cadillac. Yeah. It makes me uh, very proud to be a, a pastor of a church that isn't scared to leave the building to go serve our community. And I don't know if y'all realize how big it is to go serve a hundred rooms, a hundred families, a Thanksgiving basket. That is huge to go serve a, a whole place, a Thanksgiving meal. And I don't know if, uh, like I couldn't imagine wanting to do Thanksgiving with my family, only to come to terms with, I don't have the finances or the resources, resources to do so. I don't know how that would feel, so I'm just glad that uh, God uses people like you to go up bless other people. If you are new here, we are thankful that you came. We have boxes by each door that are called, uh, that are called Connect Card boxes. And we, we, what we would like you to do is write your name and your phone number on there, and someone will reach out to you. If you have any prayer requests, write your prayer requests on the back of the card and someone will be praying for uh, your needs. Be praying, even if you're not participating, be praying as we all make our way down to the Cadillac after service. To worship with your giving, there's also a box by each door. They have offering on them. Um, you can put your tithes and offering in there or you can text the number 73256. And all you do is write Matthew's table in the text to that number. It's because of all of you that today's mission event is even possible. It's because of your generosity that people who may not have the finances to enjoy a nice holiday meal now get to do so. Things we take for granted on a daily basis. Uh, Black Friday is coming up and as we're kids are preparing the Christmas list and Wives are preparing the Christmas list on the new vacuum they need every year and the new pots and pans they need every year. And John's wife's like, mine, I'm like, we only use two pots, but every year we need another pot set from, uh, uh, what's that like, Martha Stewart pot set edition, $79.99. And we just gotta get it because it's Black Friday and it's on sale. So uh, yeah, as we go through those things and we're preparing for Christmas. I just want y'all to realize that not everybody is as blessed as you are. And not everybody gets to enjoy 
Christmas. Not everybody gets to enjoy Thanksgiving. Not everybody even gets to enjoy a nice hot meal at night. So don't take those things for granted. Like, don't take what you have and just, you know, oh, we're just blessed. Like, we're blessed to be a blessing to other people. So uh, I'm just thankful to be a part of a church that isn't selfish enough to go and give of themselves. So, uh, yeah, amen. That's right, Robert. Uh, we just love because Christ commands us to love. We give because Christ commands us to give. And we go because He commands us to go. Before we start on these verses, I want to go to God in thanks for the opportunity that He has given us today. Lord, we thank You for how good You are. It's because of You that we can do anything. It's because of You that we can storm the Cadillac Hotel with a bunch of Thanksgiving baskets and with a bunch of love. Let's not uh, confuse this Thanksgiving outreach with anything other than trying to glorify your name. Let that be our mission. To go to the streets to bring glory to Jesus. You left your throne to come to earth to save sinners. The least we can do is leave the comfort of not going to lunch to go serve our brothers and sisters. May they see Christ through our actions. In Christ's name, amen. amen. If you have your Bibles with me, uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, open them up to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These two verses that we're going to go through today are what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission. And something I want to establish from the very start is it's not the Good Commission, it's not the Suggested Commission, and it's not the Debatable Commission. It's the Great Commission. But before we read these verses, I want to ask each and every one of you a personal question that I want you to evaluate. If the Great Commission is so great, then why is the church not so great at it? Let me repeat that question. If the Great Commission is so great, then why are we not so great at it? Let's read. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Three things that I want us to consider as we work through this message this morning. The first thing being is, what is the commission? What's being said in these two verses? What's being asked? What is the order given? The second thing I want us to realize is, who is the commissioner? What's or who's the source that these two verses are coming from? Who said it or who delivered the order? And the third thing I want you to consider is, who is being commissioned? Who does this apply to? A commission by definition is an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or a group of people. So in these two verses from that definition, what is the command 
our instruction, our duty. I see four that are undeniable. I see four that can't be translated any other way. The first one being go. The second, make disciples. The third, baptizing them. And the fourth, teaching them. That's the commission. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach them. The second thing I want you to see is, who is the commissioner? Who is the one that's doing this commissioning? Who is the one that's giving this instruction to the group of people? Who is the one that has given this order? Because more important than what is being said is who said it. It holds more credibility based on the source and the commission is validated by who is backing it. If you, if you all told me, Nick, I need you to get up and make your bed in the morning, I probably wouldn't listen. But if my wife told me, Nick, I really need your help today. I know you usually don't do this, but make your bed and pick up your plate. It holds a little bit more weight to it. It holds a little bit more of authority to it when my wife is asking you, me rather than you. So if the commission is go, make disciples, baptize and teach them, was given by Jesus himself, you can see why it is labeled the great commission and not the suggested commission. Guess what? Jesus isn't into our suggestions. Job 38, 4 through 5. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning. Jesus doesn't need your next greatest idea. He's not into debating and he's not into suggestions. He is Lord and we are his servants and what he says is right. Our job is not to be the next biggest thing. Our job is to be faithful to the biggest thing, Christ himself. If Jesus says love, we love or we should. If Jesus says give, we give or we should. If Jesus says go, we should go. We have the commission. It's plain and clear. We have the commissioner who is plain and clear. And now we have the third part. And I want you to see the part that is flawed today. And what I would say is the missing link in the American church. We have clear directions from a clear director. We have clear instructions from a clear instructor. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. There is absolutely no confusion. This wasn't like the new text messages where it's all abbreviated and you have to guess at what's being said. I know Tina, when our grandkids message her, she's like, what is LOL and all the rest of the stuff? <laughs> Jesus communicated a very clear design outline on what the plan was as he was leaving and how the disciples was to carry the mission forward. But could you imagine Peter, upon hearing the commission, telling Jesus, I know you said make disciples, but what about the cool fog machines? I know you said make disciples, but I think we could attract them with the carnival. I know you said make disciples, but Jesus, what about the welcome committee? Church, Satan will do everything in his power to 
to keep us from making disciples. He will keep us distracted by the numbers, desperate to grow outwardly, making it all about who's here while sacrificing those eager and wanting to be disciples. Sadly, we make church a thing we do and not something we are. We make church corporate worship instead of family. We make church an hour instead of doing life together. And we make church a sit and listen what it should be a watch and do. At 1230, the service is just over. But we, the church, will still continue. 1 Corinthians 11.1 Paul tells the church of Corinth, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You can see the progression, the model that should be set. What would it look like if someone was imitating your life? What kind of fruit would that produce? Would they be learning the world or would they be learning Christ? Would it be gossip or would it be the Bible? In Christ, we should live our lives with such integrity, such character, love, that a new believer should be able to be an imitator of you because you are an imitator of Christ. Newlyweds, they should be able to look at our marriages as an example to imitate. Those trying to break off the chains of addiction should be able to look at your life as the example. Those new in the faith, they should be able to look up to godly men and women as their models. Like I said, I should be able to look around and desire to give like some of you give and realize that the way you love is different than the way I love. Church, listen up. And this may be confusing and this may be a hard truth, but I think that AA is better than carrying on the message than we are. They spawn, their sponsor will always answer the phone, spend time with them, go to meetings with them, and teach them all about the AA principles. They desire to hit meetings on a daily basis and fellowship with one another. And then at some point, they will go from sponsee to sponsor themselves. Gangs do family better than we do. And while the world is dying and our teenagers are needing godly men and women to show them how to be godly men and women, we are too busy chasing likes and comments on social media and playing play play church. While the sponsee is turning into the sponsor, a disciple should be turning into a discipler. You've been walking with Christ for years. You should be teaching the Bible. You should be serving. You should be leading. And not only that, you should be showing the next person how to carry these things on. The message is clear. And the messenger was clear to go make disciples, baptize and teach them. And I would say that the third and final part is what I want us all to soak in today. It's the part that we need to get right. Have 2020 vision on. And it needs to be our mission going forward. Jesus himself, the instructor, gave instructions. And instead of following the blueprint, instead of following his orders, the church has created new ones. The church has created new models. And the church, without saying it, has said, Jesus, we know you said go, but we like to stay. Jesus says baptize and teach. And we are too busy 
making it all about us. I don't like the music. I'm sorry, but I've just never seen that in the Bible. I don't like the way he preaches. I've never seen that in the Bible. I don't feel welcome. I, 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 I. 2019, all about me, Christianity. Newsflash. Jesus didn't hypothetically die on the cross. Jesus didn't suggestively give the Great Commission. And what we need to get through are thick skulls that Jesus created, by the way. He doesn't need our suggestions. When he says, go, you go. What the Bible says is true is true. What he commands, he commands. If Jesus says, go left, I don't care if Google, if your friends, if the world tells you to go right, you better go left. If Jesus says, go right, and you think in your head it's a better idea to go left, never trust your idea. You better go right. Maybe I'll mix that up. But if Jesus says go left, you go left. <laughs> if Jesus says go right, you go right. If Jesus says go straight, you go straight. Jesus is Lord. Y'all get it, right? That's right? If you question whether to believe your brain or the Bible, you got to believe the Bible 100% of the time. We at Matthew's table will never waver on that. We won't compromise on that. We stand under the authority of the scriptures. They're inspired by God himself. And what he says goes, even if you don't like it, oh well. He didn't say that. But, <laughs> but the Bible's the Bible. And you read it and you open it up and it's truth. And sometimes it's hard truth. And, you know, some things will be a lot easier if it wasn't truth. But we accept it because it was given by Jesus himself. Matthew 28, 20. He gave his commission to his disciples to carry on. And not only that, he said, I will be with you. When you're teaching them and baptizing them, I will be right there. You can do it because I'm not just telling you to do it. I'm going to be right beside you. I'm not going to leave you on this impossible task by yourself. You can't even do it by yourself. That's what makes us even more great. Not only did he give this great commission, this great task to make disciples of all nations. He took all the excuses right out of their mouth. Mouth. When he finished up verse 20, I am with you always to the end of the age. This was the resurrected Christ giving his final command. Imagine that the, the excuses the disciples could instantly come to their mind. All nations, Jesus, how are we going to get to all nations? What if they don't understand what we're talking about? What if they hate us, Jesus? What if they don't listen to anything we're saying? Even worse, Jesus, you're telling us to go. But what if they persecute us? What if they kill us? But that's why it's not the suggested commission. Jesus didn't leave any room for excuses. Verse 20 is the very last verse of Matthew. The book is closed. He is the king. He's given his order. Now go and complete the mission. Our job still is to go and make disciples. It hasn't and it never will change. So if Jesus is with you, if Jesus is with us, and this is the great commission given by the greatest commissioner 
Where have we dropped the ball at? There's a large gap, and I believe it's in the new church model that we've created. Churches spend millions and millions of dollars to make everything pretty. And although, although I don't disagree with nice buildings, I think we, when we focus more on great buildings than the Great Commission, that's where we went wrong. We made everything about comfortability instead of raising the next man and woman up and teaching them to love Christ. We spend all of our time and resources on, man, let's, let's make sure the AC is on 68. Let's make sure the fog is coming from the sky. Let's look, make sure Roger's head is looking glowy and good. And we do all this stuff other than just raise the next person up and teach them to love Christ because they see you loving Christ. Last week... And we're guilty of this ourselves, so I'm not picking on any church because we're guilty of this. We're distracted by things that don't matter. Last week, we had seven baptisms, and it's all great, and it's all lovely, and we all clap, and people are fired up. But the command is go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. And I believe that we at Matthew's Table, we can be very good at the first three. We can be very good at going. We'll always be a church that goes. We'll always be a church that hits the streets. And, with, and because of that, we'll see people fired up. We'll see people that desperately want a new life, that want to change. They're excited to start coming to church and they experience this new life. They're fired up and they start proclaiming it in front of the church. But then sadly, and I can look around the room and tell you who's not with us. Sadly, six months later, sometimes they just disappear. There's the missing link. And I believe the missing link in the American church is discipleship. Yeah. Who's teaching all these new people to read scripture? Who's teaching these people a brand new foundation? Where's the older men that have walked this out for 20, 30 years that are finding someone younger to invest in, to pour into, to walk with? Who's walking this out with new believers in the questions that they have? Imagine, we go to the Cadillac today. Someone gets saved in your mind. Then they open up the book of Revelations. Only then to be scared to death when they get to the part about dragons and fire coming from the sky. This Christian walk was never ever meant to be walked alone. It is to be lived out together and carried on. Hypothetically, let's just say... You got a new job. The local mechanic shop hires you to fix all their cars. Rogers, Janky, Auto Body and Repair. That was the name my vision. You do your interview process. You explain to them, you've never done mechanic work. You've never even held a tool. And that you don't even know how cars work. But that you would be willing to learn and grow in this new profession. They hire you because they're desperate for people and they tell you that you can start tomorrow. So the next day, you walk in this job anxious and ready to learn and grow. You iron your clothes, you even ride your bike to work, you show up early. As you're ready to start your day, you get your first job to fix the engine on a brand new Lamborghini. And although you know this, you know that fixing this engine will be a great task. You, you're not really worried 
Because you know you're going to have help. You're ready to be under someone. Learn to be a new mechanic. And in the next year, you believe that you will grow and be the one that's teaching the new hires. So ready to get to work and uh, begin to work on this Lamborghini, you meet Justin, who you thought was your trainer, who just told you that this also was his first day, and he couldn't tell you the difference between a hammer and a screwdriver. He's just there to get his paycheck and so that his wife would get off his back. If you think that story is irrational and crazy, I think what's even crazier is that is what the church can look like at times. New people trying to lead new people right off a cliff. But how can, you, how can you teach me to do a budget? How can you teach me to tithe if you don't do a budget and tithe yourself? How can you teach someone about the Bible if you never pick up the Bible yourself? How do you teach someone about Jesus if you don't have a relationship with Jesus? Are you teaching them about something you heard? Are you teaching them about something you know? In 2019, we're having a hard time teaching and being disciples because of either A, we have never seen discipleship, or B, we may not be disciples ourselves. A disciple makes disciples. Or as David Platt said, a true possession of faith will always lead to a proclamation of faith. When you truly believe in the resurrected Christ, you will share a resurrected Christ. There is no such thing as a private faith. Think about for a minute the last thing you was excited about. The new job. The engagement. Your sobriety date. You share it. You post it all over Facebook. You tell all your friends and family about it. You make sure the whole world has to hear it. As followers of Christ, that should be our focus. That should be our mission to share the good news of him. What I love is that Jesus didn't give them this command the first night he met them. They would have been very confused, right? But he had walked with them. He had taught them, done life with them, and showed them what discipleship was. He could tell them, make disciples, and they knew exactly what he meant because he showed them what discipleship looked like. Jesus discipled and taught a group of guys and every single one of them had flaws. Every single one of them was stubborn. They all had passed. And you can guarantee this now and forever that discipleship is messy. Imagine being one of the early disciples. Ordinary people who were changed by Jesus. One day they was living their normal life. They was called out and boom. Their life will never be the same. They learn from Jesus. They walk with Jesus. They did life with Jesus. They all took Jesus' call literal and began going everywhere he went and doing everything he did. He was the main thing and not just a convenient thing. It is impossible, it is impossible, it is impossible to be a disciple of someone and not end up like them. So as they walked and they learned, his ways, everything about them would begin to change. They was new creations. We imitate Christ. We carry on his ministry. And then we become more like him in the process. The thing is, as we're growing, we should be looking more like Christ 
and less like our old selves. The more we pursue Him, the more we will proclaim Him. The more we chase after Him, the more we will make much of Him. The more we desire Christ, the more we will share Christ. It's an overflow of who we are and who we serve. For me to get up here and tell you all about me, it wouldn't help any of y'all one bit. But when I get up here and teach you about Christ, that's when things can change. It ain't about me. It ain't about you. It's all about Him. If you want to know why we suck at discipleship, it's because people are messy. Discipleship is hard. Discipleship is a grind. It's sacrificial. Go make disciples, baptize, and teach them. That's hard. That's not an hour on Sunday thing. He's asking his people to go into a lost and broken world who hates them, make disciples out of them, then baptize and teach them. Was that a, was that a success? It depends on your definition. Each of the disciples will carry out this mission because they had came face to face with a resurrected king. And over 2,000 years later, we are sitting in church today. Across the globe, in a whole different language, in a whole different culture, learning about Christ. Who's going to be impacted because we carry on the mission? Who's going to be here next year because we got off our butts and went to them? Did it cost them anything? It cost them everything. Being a disciple of Jesus is not easy. Being a disciple of Jesus does not mean prosperity. Being a disciple of Jesus will cost you something. But in Christ you have everything and he is enough. John 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. Want to know what happened to the disciples as they followed out this commission? Andrew, crucified. James, stoned to death. John, burned in oil. Matthew, speared to death. Peter, crucified upside down. Thomas, speared to death. And what would say the disciples would agree with my song of the sermon? Hear these words. I'll say them and then we can sing them. He is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. For from you are, are all things, and to you all are things. You deserve the glory. Now, if we could sing that together on rhythm. The song, yeah. He is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. Come back, catch on. For from you all are things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. Y'all ain't singing it like he's worthy. Right? We gotta sing it one more time if he's worthy of it all. Haley, you can lead it off. <laughs> Alright. He is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it
Maybe I'm just repeating the words. But Jesus literally is our rescue story. He literally is worthy of it all. He came down, died on the cross for sinners who didn't deserve it. Jesus himself died for sinners. Each of the disciples died to carry on the message. And I'm too scared to go talk to my neighbor. I got better things to do than teach who Christ is and who he, who he was. I have a better plan to save the world than Christ himself. Do I take this commission literal if I just sit on my butt? Don't I know there are people who have been persecuted, killed, burned, stoned to carry on this message to make disciples? And because I don't want to seem so radical, I'll water down the message not to hurt people's feelings. What is more unloving? Me letting you live in sin? Not telling you about Christ? Letting you die and go to hell? Or me risking our friendship because I love you so much that I teach you about Christ, open the Bible with you, tell you to repent, and I desire to see you to see Jesus as all you need. Hell is a literal place. This is a literal commandment. And there are literally people not hearing of Christ because instead of go, we stay. Instead of make disciples, we watch TV. Instead of teaching, we Facebook. We don't just do church. We are the church. And in being the church, it means that there are going to be brokenness and messes at the table, all starting with me. You do not have to wait till you're perfect, polished up package to make disciples. You'll be waiting forever. You don't have to wait till you have it all together and the whole New Testament memorized. You'll be waiting forever. Fall in love with Christ. Be around people who are in love with Christ. And teach people your love of Christ. Be a disciple and make disciples. It's not all about you. We should live and love in such a way that the world would automatically know we are different. The world shouldn't have to come to a service on Sunday and be surprised that you are even a Christian. I know there are women in here that are dying for mature Christian women to do life with, to learn from, and get in the Word with. I know there are men in here who need us to set a new standard and be shown what a biblical man looks like. There are teens in here who will, believe it or not, follow in our footsteps. And there are kids in here who every day are watching what we do. The Christian life to me, it wasn't one that was lived out. Yeah, we did go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Yes, we prayed before each meal. But as soon as those things were over, we went back to our every normal day lives. Work was a check. Family, check. Church, check. Friends, check. School, check. Prayer, check. We go to bed. Hey, we forgot to say our prayers. Let's just toss up some so God knows we prayed tonight. Oh my goodness, you ate a fry before you prayed. Let's cancel that and pray together first. We do all these checklists and things, and we just create checklists out of church and checklists out of our groups and checklists out of our small church. It's a never-ending checklist in the Bible Belt way. God is much more than a checklist. In the church, it should be never defined by a building. 
The church isn't just corporate worship. If the Monday Center, Center closes its doors, it should never mean that Matthew's table is over because we don't even need a building to be the church. American Christianity added in a lot of things you need to do church, but American Christianity honestly probably isn't even biblical. Jesus, we need this. We need that and everything else. No, you don't. You just need Jesus. You don't need the never-ending checklist. Church can happen at the Monday Center or at Room 101 at the Cadillac after church. After service, I should say. The disciples carrying on this mission. Are you going to carry on this mission also? The prayer team and worship team can come up. As I close... I want to tell y'all something. The church is in a scary place in 2019. The average church model, they would do everything and anything and plan the whole year out with ever planning to make disciples. 50 Cent came out with a uh, CD when I was in high school and it was called Get Rich or Die Trying. Kyle knows about it. 50 Cent. Sold 10 million records of the CD. And people took those words on the CD as literal. By any means necessary. Get rich or die trying. Doesn't matter if that means selling drugs, robbing people, scheming people. Whatever it means. If you don't make it, die trying. 50 Cent got shot nine times. So what he was saying, it was kind of believable. We, were, we would repeat his words like they were going. And during that season of my life, I was either going to A, get rich, or B, die trying. I took his words as truth, and I began to live them out. But John Piper says this. He says, the problem with the prosperity gospel is it aims way too low. The prosperity gospel says get rich or die trying. And I'm saying you're already rich if you have Christ. You're already blessed if you have him. A disciple is a disciple maker. So I'm going to tell you if you're in Christ, it's not get rich or die trying. It's make disciples or die trying. And that's not just a suggestion. That's his commandment. Jesus, the commissioner, gave us the great commission to carry on to the end of the age. There's no substitute for that. There's no replacement for that. There's no better plan than that. Do life with people. Open your homes to people. Show them what a follower of Christ looks like. Be imitators of him so that others can imitate you. I'm thankful for that in my life, that I had those examples. The guy that disciples me, he would text me every day. Knees first, Nick. Knees first. Every single morning, I would wake up to that text. And what that showed me as I was growing was, Nick, before the distractions of the world take over, before you fit God into your schedule, before you open up Facebook or fantasy football, Go to God in prayer. Put your eyes on Jesus. So I'm going to tell you today what he told me. I'm going to carry on the message.
knees first. I'm going to challenge each and every one of you to hit your knees each morning before you do anything else. Before you pick up your phone for the next seven days, hit your knees in prayer. Before you check social media, spend those first few moments with Christ before the world pulls you this way or that way. Just spend a little time at his feet for seven days. Be intentional about pursuing him and then let's be intentional about proclaiming him. We serve a literal savior who gave a literal command. And there are people on their way to a literal hell if we don't go. Christ uses us for his mission. He puts us in the game. And honestly and sadly, we've been standing on the sidelines for way too long. If you're not in a small church, you need to get in one. You do not need people co-signing your bullcrap. You need people pointing you to Jesus, pointing you to the cross, pointing you to the only thing that can save you. The question I have for you today, is your love of Christ contagious? Is it spreading? Or has your fire been, burnt, uh, been burning out? Has your life been diminished? Don't let the world tell you you're too radical. The disciples all died because they knew that Christ was worth being radical for. Jesus freak, holy roller, Bible thumper, whatever you want to call me, call me. Because I've been called and I've been a lot worse. The altar is going to be open. I'm going to repent for not obeying this command. I'm going to repent for being distracted by things that don't matter. If you don't know Christ, I pray he reveals himself to you. There are people up here who would love to pray for you. Don't run out on this last song. He is worthy of it all. He is a rescuer. He is so good. He is everything you need. It can all start here today. What if 200 people on fire for Christ went and discipled the next 200 people? That would literally flip the West End of Orangeboro upside down. Then that would flip the community upside down. Then that would flip our state upside down. And that would uh, flip the nations upside down. That's how discipleship works. It's a never-ending mission. Matthew's table. I'm going to leave you with two things as you go on about your week. The first thing, knees first. The second thing, make disciples or die trying. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. God bless.